it's a great day for some coffee and a chat in the greenhouse. So grab your cup and I'll see you there. Hello, hello, and welcome back to Chats in the Greenhouse, a podcast I record in my greenhouse right beside the chicken coop. Sometimes it gets noisy, but that's okay. I love sitting out here and spending time with the Lord, and I love chatting with you guys and sharing my story. And we are coming to the end of my book. I started this podcast in hopes to each episode share a chapter of my book instead of doing like an audiobook series. This, to me, just felt more real and not just me reading, but kind of telling you my story and my point of view. And we are at chapter 14, and there is actually 16 chapters in my book. So once we do this one today, I'll have two more podcasts from the Longing series, which is episodes centered around the book that I wrote. And then after that, I might take a small break from... Uh, releasing these podcasts, then I can come and do more of a series from the heart. So I'm going to figure out exactly what that is. I'm thinking it's going to be about being brave because that's a lot of the study that I've done this year and saying yes to the Lord and being brave through that. I've spoke at several different things and that just seems to be the subject that God's placed in my heart. So I don't know, maybe I'll be writing another book on being brave or a devotional or something like that. But anyways, what we are talking about today is chapter 14 of my book, which is Unexpected Miracles. In last week's podcast, I shared the story of us going to the doctor, wanting to have our fourth child after having our first miscarriage and through going to the doctor, actually getting pregnant on my own and losing that baby in unexpected pregnancy and unexpected miscarriage, which was very hard, and then getting some results from the doctor of them saying that we would never have children ever again. I needed to let go of the idea of having four. And through a significant tree on my farm in Magnolia that I had actually planted in the remembrance of the baby that I had lost, God sent me blooms to tell me that he indeed was going to bless us through a miracle and given us a fourth child. So I was clinging on to that. And that's what brings me to chapter 14, which is unexpected miracles, because this is actually the time in my life when the promise of the magnolia tree was actually fulfilled. And I love sharing this story of God's goodness and how real he is today. And in our culture, sometimes it feels like he is just so far away and not real in our everyday lives, but that's so not true. And that's what I want to share with you right now. Um, the scripture that I have starting this chapter is Hebrews 10, 23, which is, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. I love this scripture because I've had God promise me specific things so many times in my life through scriptures, messages, through acts of nature, hummingbirds, multiple scenarios. I tried to always open my eyes to how he can speak to me through those type things, being so significant. And... I love that when he delivers a promise and it's just between you and him and you wait on that promise to be fulfilled and then it is, that's what the scripture is saying. If he gives a promise, he is faithful to deliver that promise. That might not be in the timing that you want it to be, 
but he is going to do it. So at this point, it had been a month since the last bloom had fallen on my little magnolia tree, the the last bloom that had opened the two buds. I do want to share, I had said there were um, when I first saw the blooms on the magnolia tree where I felt like God was saying, like, these are your three children that you have on earth. There are three bloomed and then there are three that are still buds. The whole season of that year, okay, and, and I also want to say that up until this year, so that was five, six years ago that, um, actually, no, that the magnolia story is actually from three years ago because my little girl just turned two. Um I do want to tell you that it did not bloom until this year, which is also until again. Okay, so it, it bloomed whenever I found out I was pregnant, um, and then I lost the baby, and it bloomed three blooms and three buds. Then the fourth bloom opened, and what I do want to share that I think is so significant is that entire season of that year, those two buds never opened. They remained buds, and it literally that tree never bloomed again until this year. So crazy. Four blooms this year. Okay. So four (laughs) blooms for the babies that I have. It's so crazy to me, but those buds never opened, which even more signified that year that I was going to have four children and the two would remain in heaven and I would never have another miscarriage again. Praise God. Right. I mean, he is just so considerate. That just shows me how much he pays attention to detail and how much we should, right? If I had never looked at that magnolia tree, I would have totally missed it on that blessing that literally impacted my life from that day forward. Forward, I'll never forget it ever as long as I live and I'm going to share this story. I wrote this book. It's been in a magazine article and I'm sure that I'm going to tell this story for the rest of my life about how God promised something and he fulfilled that promise. So on this actual day that I'm speaking about, the beginning of chapter 14, I was sitting on the toilet holding a pregnancy test in my hands. It had been one month since God's promise through the Magnolia. And I see a positive coming into view. And I just freak out. I was like, oh my gosh, just like this verse, God had promised and he is faithful. Now, I do not want to say that I went through finding out that I was pregnant and I only took one test and I had so much faith in God. No, I was continually in a spiral. I was continually freaking out. I found out I was pregnant. I took a ton of tests. I had lots of blood work. I had spotting with her. A lot of this pregnancy was traumatic. It was, it quite frankly seemed the opposite of what God promised he would give me, but he promised me a healthy baby and that is what he gave me. But it was through the most difficult pregnancy out of all of mine. I ended up in the hospital. I took an EMS ride. Um, We had went to Florida I was pregnant. My blood pressure skyrockets. My heart's racing. Borderline heart attack. Stroke, they were saying. Rushed me in an ambulance. Transferred from one um, location to another hospital. I was in the hospital. I mean, in the doctor's office two times a week. It was crazy. I ended up having her early because of just the struggles I was having. We ended up back in the hospital after I had her because she had respiratory distress syndrome, they say, which is basically like her lungs were not fully developed, but they weren't in need of being in. But she wasn't like at an age or a place where she needed to go back, like in the NICU or something like that. 
it was basically waiting on them to mature at home, which was terrifying. I didn't sleep for months because I kept the outlet and her oxygen levels lived in the 80s, which is usually to be put in the hospital, but they were like, it's just steady staying that. It's the most bizarre thing to explain. I don't know. But it was very, very, very stressful. Okay, that's what I'm getting at. This pregnancy was not magical. It was not glamorous, but that's not what God promised. He promised he was going to give me a fourth child, period. He didn't promise me it's going to be the most amazing pregnancy of your life. Your delivery is going to be magical. This baby's going to be amazing. Like, it's not going to be that way. And I think sometimes with God, we expect him to fulfill a promise or to answer a prayer and not only answer the prayer, but answer in the most magnificent way possible because at the end of the day, he's God and he can do that, right? But he doesn't have to. And a lot of times the lessons we need to learn along the way are not possible in the way that we imagine we should be learning them. So shortly after I found out I was pregnant, we went to church and I had told before, like pretty much every time that I've found out I was pregnant, the following Sunday in going to church, no one knowing that I'm pregnant at all, but every single time there is a message from Genesis 22 or 20 or 21 speaking about Abraham and Sarah. Significant is an understatement. And so I find out I'm pregnant. The following Sunday, we go to church. And what do you think Pastor Marty gets on stage and starts reading? Genesis 22. Verse 1 through 18. I'm not going to read all of that. Um, if you can look it up and read it, that would be great. But it's basically the story of Abraham once he already had his son Isaac. And when God came to Abraham and told him, you need to take your son up on the hill. He needs to be the sacrifice. Back in the day, they had to sacrifice to cover their sins, which is why we are so blessed now because Jesus paid the ultimate price. Well, at that point, they didn't have Jesus. So, he was told instead of a lamb or a goat, I'm not really sure if they did go, I won't even say that, but let's just say the lamb. Instead of a lamb this time, I need you to go on this hill and build an altar and sacrifice your son. The son that Sarah had waited 40 years to conceive, Abraham had prayed, he was promised that his son Isaac would rule the land and have all these things forever and ever. Amen. And it's the same exact son. Okay. So he's like, okay, I gave you the son, but I'm going to test you and I need you to go sacrifice him now. So what do you think Abraham did? Did he say, okay, or did he say no? Abraham said, yes, he takes his son. The story just like is heart reaching if you're a mother or if you've been through anything with loss because the child's looking at him wondering like, why, where's our lamb? Why are we going on this hill? Why, what are we going to sacrifice? And he tells him God will provide. Okay. So he has his son, he's getting ready to sacrifice him. And God speaks and is like, no, like you don't have to do this. I will provide you a lamb. He looks over, there's a ram or a lamb. I can't remember, not going to take a minute to look it up, but there is a sacrifice there for him. And he doesn't have to sacrifice his son, but he wanted to see that his heart was willing to give everything all in to God. And Abraham still was. He knew God was faithful. He knew that he delivered the promise and he was still faithful. And he was saying, no, forever, this is your son. You can have your son. You don't have to sacrifice him. But that was a test of your obedience to me, Abraham, and that intimate relationship between him and God. And it's a beautiful picture. And that was the message and what it was on of just saying that you indeed can have 
this promise. I remember like during this service, just laughing and crying and just being like, wow. For me, I was like, okay, God, like this is absolutely amazing. It just feels like the finale of my story, you know, like the finale of everything that I've been through every time I've heard this message and just being like, you know, I I love you, my daughter. This is the end of your journey. This is going to be your last child. You've been faithful. You've looked to me this whole time. And this is the moment that you've waited to be pregnant with your last child, to have four children, the desire of your heart. And it's my gift to you. Thank you for being faithful. And it was just so surreal in that moment. And I share this story to show you just how significant, right, that he is still to this day. That's what blows my mind. That is a story I will tell forever is that through the Magnolia, through the hummingbird, through this sermon, what about the timing, right? I mean, it could have been a sermon on anything, but it wasn't. And, you know, I just can't help but to think that a lot of people, when I tell them these stories or when I speak of God, like I know him, they just don't think that he's still working like this in you know, okay, well, that's your life, but I've never heard anybody else speak like that. But the reason that I share this is to say, yes, he is. But you have to be willing to see it for your own life. You have to be willing to put yourself out there and pray the prayer, pray the request, pray for the relationship with him, right? Don't just pray for the thing, but pray for the journey. Pray for the way. Open your eyes to see what all it is that he is wanting to to tell you and the answer to the question. Because a lot of times when we say, hey, God, I want this. When that this doesn't show up, we think that he didn't answer it. But if we open our ears to hear his version of this being that, if that makes any sense. (laughs) But like, this is my version of the answer. Like, this is the answer to your prayer, but it doesn't look exactly the way that you thought it would be. But it's still a huge blessing. And he can draw us to him through that. Over the next few weeks after this sermon, like I'd said, I had lots of spotting, lots of scares in and out of the doctor's office, horrible blood pressure, lots and lots of blood work. Um, I was anemic. I found that out later on. Just a lot of different things. When we went for ultrasound and saw that she was completely healthy, I was just like, wow. I just continually felt like I was seeing God's grace just flooding in my life. It was such a promise from God that no matter what the journey is, it was just such a picture. I feel like the pregnancy was such a picture of the whole battle that I had been through. Like, yes, I received what I always wanted. And I feel like, and I know this for true to be true, that sometimes people are like, you know, how can you how can you relate to me? Because you actually have four kids. But the journey was rough. Along the way, it was not always perfect and easy. I felt like that my last pregnancy was a picture of the journey. Like it was rough and it was hard. But in the end, I still received the promise. But I had to be willing to put in the work almost. When I look back on the difficult pregnancy that I went through, when I look back at my infertility, fertility journey, having the four, going through losses, receiving news that we'd never have children, then we do. I am reminded so much of Mary, Mother Mary, Jesus's mama. Um, And I, it's hard to say this because obviously a lot of people, and I mean, I myself 
believe that, you know, Mary is the best mom of all time ever. Um, a lot of believe that she's a saint. There's a huge platform pedestal that she lives on. So I don't want to compare myself to Mary and say, oh, I'm just like Mary, because that's not what I'm saying at all. But the story of infertility and the battles that we face as moms does remind me of Mary, the virgin who carried and delivered Jesus, the Christ child. But when I look at all that Mary had to endure during her pregnancy, and especially during her delivery in the barn, I feel a connection with her. And I want to tell you why. Because Jesus' birth is the most important birth of all time. We know this, right? An angel directly delivered the promise of Mary's miraculous pregnancy to her. He told her that she would carry the Messiah for nine months and that he would then thereafter carry the weight of the entire world and the future of every human on his shoulders to save us all from hell forever. I mean, can you imagine that burden that she felt, that responsibility of, okay, what? Like, I'm a virgin, I'm not married, and you're telling me that I, out of all these women, am going to be the one that's going to conceive the Christ child, and then that baby that I have to raise and keep safe and help keep perfect is going to save the entire world for all of eternity, like, mind blowing, right? And even now, I feel like it's even easier to imagine because we have the Bible and we've already seen that promise fulfilled. We have all this technology, but back then, like no cars, no shoes, no pants, no anything that we are used to that would modernize this idea of a baby saving the entire world. But that's what was told to her and she believed. I think of how we are all just ridden by anxiety and stress and this cancel culture situation of like, oh, I don't like what she's doing. So unfollow, dislike, all the things that this world has put on us. I think back to her and think about the amount and load of stress that must have been on her, but it never says that she had an anxiety attack. It never says that she was super overwhelmed and all that. And I even relate like the difficulties of pregnancy to what Mary must have went through of just thinking like, you know, some people deliver their baby and have to be in the NICU for several months and have all these scares and fears. Some women have to stay in the hospital the majority of their pregnancy because they're so high risk. And then I think of Mary and how she had to labor on the back of a donkey and she had to deliver in a barn and I have a barn and it's disgusting and I just can't even imagine like giving birth in there but Mary the most important one there was no room for her in the end like when you think about that little story I mean we just hear this ever since we're little and we think oh it's just no big deal but it is such a big deal like Mary right Mary the Mary the one and only mother Mary that had Jesus there was no room for her in the end We get so aggravated when we have to wait on food from a waitress. We get so aggravated when things don't go our way that are so simple, but it never says that she got aggravated. It never said that she freaked the heck out on someone, on the innkeeper. It never says that. She just went straight to the barn, delivered in the hay, and Jesus, okay, Jesus, let me say again, Jesus, was in a manger. We think a manger is like, oh, it's glowing manger. It's not. It is a food trough, right? I mean, a food trough, (laughs) they have slobber in them, leftover food. This and they put some hay in for him to lay and 
put him in cloths, which is probably like from feed bags. I'm not sure, but it's not glamorous. And when we see the nativity scene, it's glowing. I mean, it was probably dark in there. They might have built a fire or had something that they could flame, but I don't think that they were just carrying candles around back then. You know, it was rough situation for Jesus. And all his life, the things that he went through were difficult. The way that he was treated, the way that he came, he was crucified because people didn't believe that he was the king of the world, that he was going to save everyone. He did, they didn't believe that, right? Which is why they crucified him. They thought that they were doing the right thing in crucifying him because they thought he was an imposter. They didn't think that he came in the way that he should have came. And I relate so much to this right? Because we glamorize everything. We expect so much from God. We expect him to do so much for us. We expect Jesus to do everything we ask him to do, but he could have done everything for himself, but he came in the most humble way and his mother had him in the most humble way, the most difficult way. I always wish like I could go back to that day and talk to Sarah And I wish I could go back and actually meet Mary and just tell her like, girl, I feel your heart. Like when I read these stories about you, I feel your heart. I feel your struggle. And I so wish that I could say, hey, did you know that you're like in the Bible? Like that book that's like the most important book of all time that literally leads everyone to salvation. It is in every church across the world. You know, all the things like tell them like you're in there. And your story is so significant. And I think every mother can relate to these women. There's a reason they're in the Bible. We think a lot of times when I was raised, I was raised very strict Southern Baptist, and women were not the most important thing. Okay? Like, the man was the man. (laughs) And what the man says goes. But it really is significant to me to see how many women are influential in the Bible when you start reading it out, right? I mean, Jesus was brought to earth by a woman. He chose not to come here on his own because he loved his mother, right? He came from a mother, which makes a huge impact on us as mothers, on us as women, and how he felt like that was very important. How Sarah's story of infertility is in the Bible because it's not spoken about. It's just now being modernized to where we can talk about it. But Jesus was not ashamed to talk about infertility in the Bible, right? He talks about the barren woman. So it's it's crazy to me that along the way, we were shunned and not allowed to speak about not being able to have children, but God directly blessed Sarah with a baby that she waited on for 40 years, being Isaac, who later ruled nations. And from the lineage of Isaac came along to Jesus. All those things are so significant if you think about them in that way and think, the miracle that you're waiting on today, what do you think its purpose is? Have you listened to God's voice to see what the promise is that He's given you? Have you heard the promise and you gave up and you just haven't noticed your magnolia or your blooms? I want you to be able to relate to these and I really want you to think about, okay, God, it's my turn. Where's my sparrow? Where's my hummingbird? Where's my magnolia? Where's my oak tree? Just ask him a question, quiz him. No matter if it's not waiting on a child, maybe it's waiting on a house or a job or something else, whatever it is, 
I hope that you find peace in hearing this podcast today. That is my goal. That is the desire of my heart is to encourage you to keep stepping forward. Keep going towards Jesus. Don't give up. No matter what battle you faced, God wants a relationship with you. And He can restore that. Even if you thought, like, no, I cannot. Like, I've been horrible. I gave up on God. He's still there waiting. There are horrible people in the Bible that God continually used over and over and over again. There's nothing you can do to turn away from Him that He will not love you. So, think about that today in an unexpected miracle. And think about God's promise and how you can relate that to your own life. And today, I'm praying for you that no matter what battle you're facing, nothing is too difficult for God to give you comfort through it. I'm here for you. I love you. Share your stories with me. I will see you next week with a cup of coffee in the greenhouse with the chickens and all the farm. I love you guys.